This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, your host on Diversity Bites, the program for everybody who understands the challenges inherent in creating a more diverse workforce. Join us as we explore the strategies and mindsets needed to transcend statistics, increase belonging, and unlock higher performance. Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and welcome to Diversity Bites, the only daily diversity podcast in the world. I'm finally getting caught up in building my queue of daily episodes. There was a while where I was a week away from missing a daily episode, or actually right now, until I upload a few more episodes, I'm a day away. Um, If I don't upload my episode for tomorrow, I'll actually miss my daily commitment to you. So after I get off of this, I'm going to make sure um, I upload what I've recorded for the next few weeks and I'll be caught up and I'll have a nice um, cue again because I want to meet my commitment of doing a year's worth of daily episodes. No breaks for vacations or holidays, um, only just on weekdays um, to really provide as much impactful diversity content as I can. Now this week, and maybe I'll make this a recurring theme I'm going to talk about why your underrepresented professionals fail. And that's going to be from various aspects, right? It's going to be systemically why there are things um, making it more difficult for them to fail. And it'll also be things that include them as well, both in their um, reactions to the way things are set up and maybe some abilities where they are limiting um, themselves as well, rightly or wrongly. And we'll share some of those underlying nuances because I am just so frustrated just thinking about, oh, if we just hire enough underrepresented professionals or diverse professionals, these things will right themselves. If we just have mentoring programs and sponsorship programs, things will right themselves. No, 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 no. All those things, unconscious bias, trainings, they're all extremely important. They're all part of the puzzle. But by themselves, they do not get the job done. Unless we understand on a deeper level, unless we're really willing to dig in and look at the hard part of what's going on, none of those other things by themselves will get the job done. They're just a Band-Aid. They just look good. They might win you diversity awards, but they're not actually going to deliver on the promise of diversity and inclusion, which is higher performance, better risk management, better resilience, better innovation, having the best teams possible. That's the point, not just to have diverse people on a team, um, although uh, it is important to see that, um, to see that progress is being made. Um, What we're really talking about is the value that is delivered when we have the best people uh, delivering and best people is judged from uh, a less systemically racist and institutionally racist perspective. So today, I'm going to talk about um, one reason why your underrepresented professionals fail and will not do as well as they could otherwise do, even if you're hiring the best and the brightest. And I call this episode Going Rogue, right? And I mean going rogue in a good way, right? I mean your underrepresented professionals feeling the mojo and the confidence to take the risks that any of your white male professionals never blink an eyelash to do, right? 
rightly or wrongly, not looking for people to do the wrong thing or, um, you know, to to make horrible uh, mistakes or to injure the company. But I'm looking for people um, to have equal levels of confidence, no matter uh, which race or class or um, perception of others or, or category or grouping that they're in. People just to have that equal sort of confidence for some people to, you know, everyone has a different risk risk level, but for some people just to be like, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. What's the worst that can happen? Because what's actually going on for your underrepresented professionals is they know the worst that could happen. They know that they will not necessarily be treated the same way, perceived the same way for failures, be given the same leeway, uh, viewed the same way when there are layoffs and difficult decisions to be made. They are fully aware of that. And that hamstrings them. And when it hamstrings them, it hamstrings your organization because that next great idea, that next great innovation could have been within their grasp, but they're going to play it safe. Whereas if they were a white male or someone who felt more empowered by society and by your organization, they'd be like, yeah, you know, let me try it. What's the worst that can happen indeed? What is the worst that can happen? Because they have a track record a history of being protected, of being forgiven, of being told um, that everything's going to be all right, because in fact, it will be for them. So this is a problem, as you can see, that is not solved just by a simple training, that is not solved by uh, blind hiring or different ways of looking at resumes or a mentoring or sponsoring program. It goes much, much more deeper than that. And it's not a problem that should just be put on, uh, you know, at the doorstep of the underrepresented professionals to say they should have more confidence. They should be willing to take more risks. No. Why should they? Because they will not be rewarded equally. They will not be protected the same. They have families that they care about. They have careers that they want to protect. Why would they risk it if you are not willing to give them the same leeway, the same support. So a quick example of something that happened um, personally for me, where um, because I've gained a certain level of confidence in my ability to podcast and interview people, um, I've gotten quite bold. I mean, I've interviewed CEOs, chief diversity officers for you know major league sports like uh, the NBA and the N NFL or uh, and Major League Baseball. Um, and I just, you know, I've, I've gotten that confidence where I decided I was going to do something at work and I was just going to interview um, really, really high level executives in our organization. And the first thing that was really uh, important for me to sort of go rogue in this way was I had the full support of my leadership. My leadership was like, yeah, go for it. And if something goes wrong, we'll figure it out. You have our full support, Joe. And that hasn't always been the case. And how empowering was it for me, not just to hear that, but to feel and believe that and to be bold and just send out cold emails to people who don't know me and are quite powerful and high up and write a well-crafted email to say, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to participate? Let's do this together. So um, the going rogue part is 
um, you know, this is sort of out of the convention of how you might normally more um, risk conservatively do this, right? You, you would do this through um, some sort of formal request process and you would get all these approvals and, you know, it wouldn't perhaps ever happen or you might lose steam for it to happen. Not saying you shouldn't do it that way, but I'm saying um, that it's a different sort of process. But um, I didn't go that way and, and I just went the way I did. And because of that, um, once we got a little bit of pushback, there was a point where it was a little bit scary, where sort of high-ranking people were like, wait a second, who's this guy? You know, what is he doing? Why is he doing it this way? And wasn't it amazing how I still felt the full support of my leadership? They never wavered. They never were like, oh, man, we shouldn't have trusted this guy, Joe, to do this. I still had their full support and their full mentoring um, to say, okay, we want to think about it this way. This is how we strategize. This is how we make sure this continues to be a success. And then finally, the last part was when um, I had a, a meeting with, with probably the highest level <laughs> person you know, I've had a work meeting uh, with ever uh, at my job. Um, I felt their full support too. So even though they had some feedback and um, they had some things they wanted to change, I really felt that they wanted, they saw the value in what I was doing and they wanted to make it bigger. They wanted to make it greater. And how wonderful is it that now I have the opportunity to create something even bigger than I would have imagined when I first got started. And just being able to have that confidence to go a little bit rogue, <laughs> I'm not sure I would do it the same way over again. Um, but frankly, yeah, just to be able to do that and see what happens and not feel like I'm automatically going to lose my job or be punished, whereas someone else who doesn't necessarily look like me will be treated quite differently. How wonderful, how much capability, how much inspiration, how much loyalty does that unlock when you work for people and an organization that truly see your full potential? So ask yourself, does your organization, does your team support underrepresented professionals in this way? And if they don't, why will they not succeed? Why will they fail? Well, thanks for listening. This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. And if you're the type of person who likes to help, please leave a review or share with just one friend. Support the show and help us grow. Remember, when it comes to higher performance, diversity bites belonging delights.